What's going on, guys? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Mighty Gold Standard Podcast. My name is Zach Hernandez, and as always, I am joined by my co-hosts. We got Matt in the building, we got Mike in the building, and we got our guys Brandon and Dion in the building as well. Apologize for the late start, but we were saying before we went on, it's not a Red and Gold Standard Podcast if we're not at least 10 minutes late. So here we are, and we're ready to talk about this Packers game, ready to talk about this Lions game. Before I kick it off to my, my co-hosts, if you're tuning in on X, hit like, hit repost. Make sure you're following us as well. All of our handles are on the screen. And if you're tuning in on YouTube, hit like, hit subscribe, drop your comments in the live chat. We want to hear your guys' thoughts, how you feel about this game, how you feel moving forward. Now that I got all that out, Matt, how you doing this evening? I'm doing I'm doing good now. Uh, Saturday was a bit of a up and down for me. Had some heart pal- palpitations. Went through some emotions during the game. They certainly didn't make it look easy, but at the end of the day, they got it done. So it's on to the next NFC Championship game. Let's hope the weather holds up. Let's hope the team comes out more sharp than they did. Uh, but other than that, I'm good, Zach. <laughs> other than that, yeah. Mike, how you doing? I am well, and I just want to let – I see the comments out there. Oh, go finish your dinner and all that stuff. Good things come to those who wait. Just like we had to wait for that win at the end of this game, Y'all got to wait for the show to kick off. It's going to be a doozy, so make sure y'all are in here because we're going to talk a lot of stuff about both of these teams in the review and the preview, so make sure y'all strapped in. It's going to be good. That's right. That's right. Uh, Dion, how you doing? I'm doing good, man. Just cold chilling. You know what I'm saying? Last week was, uh, good Lord, it was more than a heart attack. Um, got a couple more grays in this chin right here. As y'all can see, my voice ain't even the same, but ready for this uh this nfc championship game yeah that's right man brandon how you doing uh doing good zach um especially now that a couple days have gone by i'm more calm um my heart was through the roof on saturday so but i'm glad we we pulled out the dub and and are moving on to the nfc championship yeah yeah that's right man it was it was stressful but here we are moving on to the nfc championship game uh, the 49ers, I think for most of this game, did not have a lead. I mean, they had a little bit of a lead going into halftime, and then the Packers came out. Um, we saw on the first drive, the Packers drive down the field. I'm, I'm trying to remember if there's the Ambry Thomas penalty on the first drive. I don't think it was on the first drive. Uh, but they drove down the field, and it looks like they were going to get in the end zone. But the 49ers defense holds up. Charverius Ward, hell of a pass breakup in the end zone forces them to go for the field goal. They get it. And then the 49ers get the ball. And I'm pretty sure they went three and out. Uh, Mike, in that moment, was were you also like, ah, here we go, man. Here we go. How no, are you feeling? Never. So it was funny because I was watching with my boy G, and he's a Packers fan. So he's over there. He's like trying to stay calm. It's only three points. It's anybody's game. And I was still saying Niners by 16. Niners by 60. I, w- I was holding true to that. Even after the first drive, I said, you know, we're going to start slow. I expected it. Uh, Brock Purdy hadn't played in three weeks. Christian McCaffrey hadn't played in three weeks. You know, Trent Williams, three weeks. It was all, all the key players for the Niners, defense and offense, hadn't played in a long time. I did not expect them to come out polished. I expected some rust on the first drive. I was not panicked at all. Damn. Okay. Well, hey, good for, you know. To be fair, I was thinking this is going to be just like the Eagles game. It kind of felt like that, right? Like the 49ers, yes, they kind of came out shaky, but they held the Packers to two field goals. 
And as soon as they scored that touchdown to George Kittle, I'm like, here we go. It's open. 49ers are going to keep pouring these points on. That, that didn't really happen. Uh, Tommy Huxley, thank you. Yeah, they didn't go three and out. They did get a first down, Debo Samuel. And then I believe they didn't get the second first down. Uh, Matt, how were you feeling after the 49ers took the lead seven to six? Share, share a little bit of your mindset. It, yeah, it, it was one of those things where I'm like, man, we're lucky to have this lead, but I'll take it. Um, very uneven start. And you can tell just right off the bat that Brock Purdy was not comfortable out there. I mean, he came out with a glove on. That lasted for the first drive. Then it disappeared. Some of the balls were coming out looking a little weird. Um, and I was just like, man, we need the defense to keep denying the Packers when they're getting close. So that way, you know, we can at least try to get something going. But the one thing that I noticed, I was like, man, this, this is not a lot of these, you know, uh, these Christian McCaffrey runs that we're used to. You know, it, it was a lot of passing. And it was one of those things where everybody's like, wait, why, why aren't we running the damn ball? Why aren't we running the ball? Chris McCaffrey got three weeks rest. He should be fine. So seven to six, it, it was nice to have the lead, but I was like, this team and first quarter slow starts, man. That just, that's been their theme for the year. That was that was really uh, interesting, I guess you could say to me. This was the 28th ranked rushing defense going into the season. The Packers, I expected a heavy dose of McCaffrey. And Matt, just like you said, especially considering Purdy struggles in the rain. I'm not saying as a fact, I'm saying his struggles as in like they've happened before. Go to the Cleveland game. I know the Philly game was a little wet. He didn't seem to have an issue there, but it wasn't raining like it was Saturday night here in Santa Clara. Uh, Dion, what, what do you think Kyle's trying to prove something? What, what was the reason in your mind for the pass heavy opening, you know, script, I guess you could call it. I was actually baffled by it. I was a little confused on why he was throwing the ball so much versus a team that's really trash against the run. I'm figuring you have three viable backs in Mitchell Mason and CMC. You can spell CMC, use him at the right time. <clears throat> you can use Mitchell. You can use Mason like you have all of these options at running back, but you will you like almost all but refuse to put them in the game. I didn't see Mason except for special teams. I didn't see Mitchell at all. So it just confuses me when he goes that route and gets like super pass happy. Like it just doesn't make sense because we all know for all the years that Kyle has been here, it's the simplest thing. You use the run to set up the pass and we run first and pass second. So whenever he gets past happy, I just get confused because I'm like, what are you doing? This is not normal game plan for you. And usually we set teams up to knock them down by starting with the run. So I was definitely more than confused by, you know, him being very pass happy. Um, sometimes he does get inside his own head and try to prove people uh, wrong, you know, and, and, and force Brock into throwing the ball all over the place. Don't do that. Stick to what works. At the end of the day, that's all you need to do. Stick to what works and everything will be fine. But I can tell you right now, the run defense was what scared me because Aaron Jones ran all over us. That was not a good thing. Yeah, That was interesting. We'll get into that a little later. Um, I, I I don't know if it was something about he was trying to prove something like I, but he's so stubborn and it's a good thing when it works. But when it doesn't, it's almost like, Kyle, come on. And then Debo gets injured. He leaves. First, it was a head injury. Then he comes back in. Now it's a shoulder injury. And if you watch, if you go back and watch, 
he's running arms. He's running routes with a dead arm. Like he's literally running with only one arm out there for the small period of time he came back in. Uh, Brandon, how concerned are you, or were you, I guess I should say, about that 49ers offense? And is it something that you think could carry into the championship game? Um, I was pretty worried because we weren't getting anything done. Um, like Dion said, Kyle went away from the run game. Um, even though he did see Brock Purdy kind of struggle on, with him throwing the ball. Um, like you saw in one of his dropbacks, uh, Brock wiped his hand before he put his hand on the ball again to get a good, better grip. Um, you know, you would think when the weather is like this, you would think we'd run more in this type of predicament. But the fact that we passed a lot more in this game is crazy to me. And um, Brock Purdy threw for 39 times, and that's the his highest um, so far. So, I mean, it, it was pretty crazy. Yeah, agreed. It, it, it was, man, 39 times. Um, I think he ended up finishing 26 for 39, but it was mm-hmm. interesting. Uh, Mike, I remember there was a point either in the third quarter or late in the second quarter, Christian McCaffrey had like seven touches, nine touches. Can you explain that to me? Because I mean, when you have – he was literally just bro- voted the pro football, you know, writers of America, whatever, offensive player of the year. And Kyle just kind of decided, it's all right. I don't need to use him. What's the, what's – is there any logic behind that that you could give me? Yeah, I, th- I think what Kyle does is – uh, he identifies a team's weakness and says, we'll lean on that if everything else isn't working. And it drives me crazy. And when I say it drives me crazy, I mean it drives me absolutely crazy. Like, um, And this has been a Kyle thing since he's been here. If a DB goes out to injury, Kyle won't target that DB anymore. It's like whoever the replacement guy is, and anytime the Niners lose a, a DB, that person that comes in for him is getting targeted immediately. Kyle won't do it unless he feels like he absolutely has to. And I don't think it's a coincidence that once he started relying on the run game a little bit more, that's when the Niners started to get into some rhythm with the offense. It's almost like he uh, wants to show, like, Purdy is the real deal. You know, I felt that way in the in the Ravens game. It was, oh, MVP matchup here, right? He, he did it the same thing in the Eagles game. Oh, MVP matchup here. Let's see what happens. It worked out in favor for the 49ers in that Eagles game. But like you guys uh, talked about, the most passing attempts all season long in the game. And Purdy finished only 58%, right? It's not like he was out there cooking and and, and dicing that, that secondary up. It was just hit or, hit or miss the whole time. And Kyle's got to, like, Tuck that pride to the side a little bit. You know, if that team is really bad against the run, then run the damn ball. If they're terrible against the pass, Kyle, pass the ball. Like, don't don't outsmart yourself and, and force us to get into rhythm against their weakness in the second half or in the fourth quarter when it might be too late. Like, mix it in there well. You can do both, and you can have success if it's balanced, if it's a balanced attack uh, from the start. He he don't he he won't do it for whatever reason. I I don't know if it's pride or what, but he he's got to check that at the door, man. Take that ego, get rid of it. You don't have to prove that you're the smartest offensive play caller in the league every single time you're out there. Uh, take what the teams give you. That's what we're supposed to do. That's what football is all about. We're gonna take what they give us and make them pay. Like if we were running the ball successfully, I promise you, Purdy would have had an easier time with those passing attempts. But he, he just didn't do it. And so it was driving me crazy a little bit. I, I didn't quite understand it. Hopefully uh, he doesn't outsmart himself 
uh, outsmart himself uh, on Sunday. Yeah, yeah. It, uh, the 49ers ultimately won this game, right? Uh, Matt, I'm going to throw it to you, though. I kind of asked Brandon a similar question, but are there things in this game that maybe aren't easily fixable that are concerning to you going back or going into the Detroit championship game this weekend? Yeah, Colt Mishkivshits, uh, <laughs> that guy. Uh, the offensive line didn't protect Brock Purdy on his passing attempts, and in a game where everything needed to be even better than it normally is for Brock Purdy, given the circumstances of the weather, it just wasn't there. Um, it's funny that it's ironic that you know we're talking about forcing Brock Purdy to throw. I don't think that's necessarily the problem normally, but in the rain it's becoming a problem. And that's something that I think bears watching going forward with Brock Purdy. There might be these times where it's like, we better just expect the offense to not be as good because he struggles in the rain. Um, but he did, he, you know, last drive was great. And I'm sure we'll talk about that later where he was six for seven on that last drive with some dots. But um, yeah, it's the offensive line is a problem. The softness between the tackles is a problem. I mean, Aaron Jones is a problem, right? Right. He 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 ran all over the 49ers. They looked soft. He was hitting them six, seven yards a pop at times. Now you have David Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs, and you better be on your A game. They're going to have to get a lead early. The offense is going to have to be get a lead early. They're going to have to stop Detroit from being able to run and then get pressure on Jared Goff, who will fold like origami under pressure. That's going to be the key to this game. Those are the things that you have to fix, but I just don't think that they're that fixable. I mean, we saw defensive tackles getting pushed around again against Green Bay. Um, so, and again, they're not going to be able to do anything with the offensive line until the draft. They're just going to have to get them on rollouts or something to protect him because Hutchinson is not a joke. You know, the, def the defensive line of, of the Detroit Lions is going to try to get after Brock Purdy. They're going to have to be ready for that. I don't know if, if McKivitz is up for the task. So far this season, he's been trash. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, I, I agree. Uh, go ahead, Mike. Okay. I There's this thing going around that we struggled against Aaron Jones. I don't necessarily buy into it. Now, to Matt's point, he was getting five, six yards, three yards, six yards. He finished the game with 108 yards. But he had a 50-plus yard carry at one point. Like the Niners, while it it doesn't look like it because it was the first 100-plus yard rusher for, against the Niners and and forever, it, it, that one busted play really skewed the numbers. I, I get it. Like it was there was a first and five. He ran the ball for seven yards. He got the first downs. Now that looked concerning. Like watching him move the chain so consistently, but. I just don't feel like that the run defense was as bad as what it felt like watching the game and in the moment. And for me personally, I'll watch a guy run the ball and get three yards in the Niners, and to me it feels like he got seven or eight. Like that's how it feels when I'm watching the game. Do you guys think that was how we felt in the moment? Because, again, you take away that one long carry, and he, he, doesn't, get a, he doesn't break 100 yards. Yeah, Agreed. Um, I think if you do, he's averaging like 3.3 a clip as well but you can't you got it i said this on the honeypot which we haven't put out yet but it's hard for me to take it out because that's like that's type of a style it almost reminds me of frank gore it's like you go you go you go and then you bust one out so i agree if you do but that's that's a part of aaron jones go ahead matt it's also it's also not just the yards as they are 
it's also the circumstance of the yard where you have third and two and you got to stop a guy and you give up three. That that's the type of thing that, yeah, he's not breaking your back every time he's running the ball, except for the fact that down and distance is important, right? Because what they were doing was getting passes out quickly in, in space to some of their guys, um, Romeo Dobbs and the like, and they'd end up with, you know, second and six, right. And then it'd be another short pass all of a sudden it's third and two. And that's where Aaron Jones was doing damage. And for the longest time, um, up until really in the, in the third quarter when Jordan Love started making mistakes, um, the, the 49ers were trailing really badly in time of possession. That first half was almost all Packers. Um, and, and that they just could not get off the field. Um, and, and that, to me, was a problem. You know, uh, the, the Packers were 7 of 13 on third down. Um, that You know, it, it was – you know, and in the first half, they were they were much better than that. So to me, it's not just raw yardage because anybody can take a play out, right? Like, you know, what is how bad does Purdy look without that sweet thirty-five yarder to George Kittle or whatever? You know what I mean? That, we can do that all day. Big plays happen. I'm just looking at how those plays happen and, and the circumstances. Yeah, which is fair, uh, Dion. I'm gonna throw it back to you. We've seen now. Debo go out and the offense looked different. I'm going to say this year because last year Debo went out and the offense didn't skip a beat this year. How concerning is it to you? A that one piece can go and it's like the whole gear start to grind and the machines clamping up and Kyle does not have process and Debo may not be ready for Sunday's championship game versus the lions. How, How concerning is that to you? To be honest with you, I don't think it's concerning at all. Um, the reason being is because we have Jawan Jennings back. Um, and honestly, I think that this is the opportunity where Kyle says, you know what? Hey, time for Ronnie Bell to get in here. Like, stop with the stop with the egotistical thing of I can't play a rookie. Stop with the let me hold guys back because if it's not CMC on the field, then I don't want anybody else on the field. Like, You've got to open the doors and let the reins off of people. I honestly think that we should sit Debo for this game. I do not believe he's going to be anywhere near 100%. And I feel like all he's – he plays too physical to try to put him in. You know, like he, he's not the type of guy that's going to protect himself. He looks for contact. That's just who he is. It's, it's his style of play. So if I put Debo in, I, t- I run a high risk of him actually injuring himself like for real, for real, or possibly re-injuring that shoulder and making it worse. So I would sit him and I would just go ahead and put uh, IU, JJ, and, you know, mix in a little bit of Ronnie Bell um, and do that. I mean, at a bare minimum, you got to just start giving some guys some burn. When one guy goes down, we should not skip a beat. But it doesn't scare me if we got to go into – if we have to play Detroit um, without Debo because I think that's still going to – allow us to be great. I think that Juwan Jennings is going to be great on third downs as he always did. Um, and I think that, you know, if we give Ronnie Bell some time, he can, you know, he can do some things. He can make some plays. He may not be great at punting, kick returning, but I can tell you this, the few times that he's been in the game and he's caught the ball, he's done some good things with it. So I figure at least, you know, shake it up, give him somebody they ain't never seen really before and tell, you know, I mean, go to Bell. Do you know the one thing that I can say is I used to the reason I really liked Jim Harbaugh was he was a rah rah guy. He he was 
two hits on the shoulder pads, a punch to the chest. I believe in you. Kyle's not that guy. That's not him. He he's like, well, go out and execute the fucking game plan, dummy. And if you don't execute it, I'm gonna be pissed. So for me, even if it's just a wide receivers coach, hey, somebody get in his ear, man. Hey, look, you up to the task? Yeah, we believe in you. Get out there and show us something. You know, like show a little faith in you guys, and I think that'll that that'll go a long way. But you've got to start mixing it up. If we're not gonna have Debo, put in uh, Jordan Mason for the Debo packages. He runs just like him. Why not use him? You know what I'm saying? There's a variety of things we can do, but I, I, I'm not scared of it. I, I, I think we should sit him and let him do, you know, let him heal up. And Super Bowl, here we come. Okay. All right. <laughs> Jawan, by the way, we're going to get into that, but way to step up, man. Way to step up. Hell of a performance from you, um, especially without Debo Samuel, like Dion was saying. Super impressive. I could not say more about it. Um, I did want to talk, though, about – Brandon, I'll get to you right after this. The 49ers defense, was this a classic bend-but-don't-break performance? Mike, I'm, I want to give it back to you. Uh, they allowed the Packers to kind of move within the 20s, but then once they got in the red zone, it seemed like they were able to clamp down. What's your what's your take on the defense, and are you concerned? No, I'm not overly concerned about the defense. Um, I, again, I'm going to reiterate, you know, we, we had Eric Armstead coming back for the first time in well over what felt like over a month anyway. I don't know the exact amount of time, but uh, if there were three weeks between games that counted uh, and then you count the games that he missed before that, I'm sure it equals more than a month of playing time. Um, and so that's going to affect a lot of things. Um, but going forward, it's going to be all about matchups, right? You got you, you, We have Detroit coming up. They have a, a backup. Well, they have a starting center who has a bad knee and ankle on the same leg. Uh, so Hargrave and and Armstead should go crazy in there. They have a guard that's a backup in there. Uh, those two interior guys are going to go off in this game. And it doesn't mean sacks, right? It doesn't mean pressures, but they're going to be run stuffing. They're going to be applying pressure up the middle, which is going to force them to the outside guys, whether that be Bosa and, and, and uh, uh, what's my man's name, Young? Uh, Chase Young, or if it's, you know, wh whoever is going to be out there, right? Like the Niners are going to be just fine in this in this next game. And then the absence of Debo, as far as, you know, uh, what he does for this offense, he does um, he does dictate coverage, his motions and his movements and all that stuff. Let, let's not act like, uh, you know, Debo is just something that is just uh, uh, a gimmick or whatever. Like he dictates coverage and, and motion and all that stuff and spacing in the secondary uh, for the team. However, the Lions biggest weakness is actually the secondary this should be a game if there's a game that i want to see brock purdy throwing 39 times it's this upcoming game so i'm not worried about it right now uh and then once we get that football callus back on these on that defense they'll be just fine i'm, I'm not worried at all okay all right uh yeah we did see a fourth and one stuff by this defense turned into a turnover on downs uh this is one of the plays i believe that the uh packers fans feel like they were robbed on but they seem to believe the help the ball is held in the helmet because his helmet crossed the line. Therefore, got close. The ball did. It, it was it was a good call, in my opinion. Um, it was concerning to see 49ers defenders consistently slipping down, and especially on third downs. It was so fucking frustrating. Nonstop. I mean, third down, Logan Ryan's on the ground. Third down, Dre Greenlaw's on the ground. Third down, Traverse Ward's on the ground. And if you take away the, the place where the defender slipped, 
Jordan Love's numbers look totally different. And, and Matt, I want to ask you, um, and then Brandon will get to your question. The media is kind of painting Jordan Love as like, oh, he had you know 58 minutes of a beautiful performance and two minutes of a oh so bad because it because it because it was looking so so great. And on the flip side, they're like, oh, Purdy, you know, he was trash, he got carried, but Purdy kind of clutched up when it mattered. I won't I won't sit here and tell the viewers that he played as well as he could have. Definitely not. Why do you think the narratives are so different among the two quarterbacks? Like I said before, um, people don't like that the 49ers got richer by accident. Um, they flubbed the Trey Lance pick, obviously, and Brock Purdy kind of fell into their lap at the end of the draft, and they don't like it. And the fact of the matter is that Jordan Love has all the tangibles that you want. You know, he's 6'3", six, 6'4". Six, he has a nice arm. He, You know, he's, you know, uh, first-round pick. So you have that pedigree on top of it. And it's really easy to forget that Jordan Love is like a fourth-year pro. Right. This this Jordan Love has been in the league for four years now. Fact of the matter is Brock Purdy's in his second season and now he's in his second NFC championship game in a row. It's just because people see what they want to see. People want the tangibles. People fall in love with that. Tan it's why the 40 yard dash is so important that that four two two is what got John Ross drafted in the top 10. And, you know, damn well, he wasn't that good. You know what I mean? And people overdraft for physical traits all the time. Uh, Ryan Leaf comes to, comes to mind. This upcoming draft, I'm going to say it right now, don't take Caleb Williams. You're not going to like the, the result. Uh, people fall in love with these tangibles. And then when you see a guy who, you know, dresses like an Abercrombie dude and looks like, you know, he, he, came, he came straight off of a high school bus, right? You know, barely six foot something. Not a cannon arm, not anything else. What Brock Purdy has that's elite is between the ears. You know, just look at the Christian McCaffrey touchdown run where they're running down on the play clock and Brock Purdy tells the tight end who used check and try to put in motion. He's like, no, stay there. And that wherewithal is, is what puts him ahead. And you can see, you can see Brock Purdy, even though he can make some mistakes at times, doesn't typically make the same mistake twice. So I, I think that people just like to look at the tangibles, the draft position, all that stuff. And, and it becomes a, a, a kind of a badge of honor, right? First round draft pick. You're great. You should be great. Brock Purdy. It's the opposite, right? You're Mr. Irrelevant. You should be terrible. So people will create their own narrative to try to justify that. Otherwise, I mean, everybody's been wrong with their evaluation and nobody, nobody wants to admit that they were wrong on something. Well, I think that's kind of what it shapes up to is he make them look bad and he basically proved them wrong. So therefore, they're going to just like continuously deny his success. I mean, we talked about it before we went on. We have guys like Keyshawn Johnson saying, yeah, I know the Niners were down, but that's technically not a comeback. I mean, I'm sorry. When you come back from being down and win the game, that's literally the definition of a comeback. Uh, Brandon, you said you had a question for us. Go ahead. Yeah, uh, just real quick, uh, going back to Debo. Um, so I know, like, we're talking about media and stuff like that, and we don't really care about what they say, or especially ESPN. But I kind of watched uh, first take the other day, and Stephen A. Smith said, um, the Niners will not beat the Lions without Debo in there. Um, I just kind of wanted to get your guys' take on that and what, what, what you guys thought about it. Stephen, Stephen A. Smith said that a dude – 
was going to suit up for the Chargers who had retired the previous season. Stephen A. Smith is primarily a, a basketball guy and a soap opera actor. Don't take anything that that dude says seriously. He's completely ridiculous. He makes up, you know, these ridiculous sentences. He's loud and obnoxious. That's the whole thing. It's all of those talking heads. They thrive off of this controversy. That's why the Nick Wright thing happens. And it's why, you know, you have other people push back against it. And it's why Skip Bayless and Shannon Sharp had their falling out because it got a little too close to home or whatever, but it's the shtick. That's, that's how they get their, their, their money. It's the same thing with certain 49er content creators, right? Say the most outlandish stuff that you know nobody believes, but you're going to say it because it's going to get the clicks. That's that's just what it is. The 49ers are perfectly capable of winning this game without Debo Samuel. I agree. Agreed. And we'll, we'll, we're going to finish up the, the, the Packers game here, then we'll get into the Lions. Uh, but this game, I mean, I, I, I agree with you 100%, Matt, that Purdy, just like their brain almost cannot comprehend him being a good quarterback. So therefore, they have to continuously make excuses and reasons for why what we're seeing is not actually what we're seeing. It's like, yeah, I know he led them in a comeback and a comeback drive to win the game, but come on. Christian McCaffrey had two runs, like two of the nine plays were runs. So come on. Uh, and you brought up a really good play where he did, you know, tell uh, the, the tight end, you know, no, 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 stay there, stay there, stay there. Just the, the, the knowledge of knowing this motion doesn't really impact the play in a meaningful way. And it's not worth either burning a timeout or getting this delay a game. So we're just going to have him stay there and get this playoff. And bam, it's a touchdown. Um, I rewatched I, I, I rewatched the game and I, re, I watched JT O'Sullivan's, you know, quarterback breakdown of this performance. And I do feel better about it. I don't know how much better I feel about it, but I feel better because it does seem like half of it was he just struggles to grip that ball when it's wet. And I don't know how the 49ers haven't come up with some sort of contingency plan for this. You saw him come out with the glove, and then after the second drive, the glove's gone. Uh, and the other half is it seemed like him and the receivers were on different pages. Uh, for, for instance, that play with Ray Ray McLeod, third and 10, the defender slips down and falls down. So Ray Ray cuts it back inside the field, but Purdy had already thrown the ball to where he thought he was supposed to be. And we did see Purdy get a little fiery there. And George Kittle talked about that afterwards saying, you know, like, that's what I want to see. Once he got that fieriness, I knew we had him. We were good. Um, but overall, Mike, I'm going to throw it to you. What would you what would you give this performance of Brock Purdy, Mike? How, how do you feel he did overall? If I were to give him a letter grade, it would be like a C minus, right? I, I wasn't very happy with what Brock Purdy did. Uh, I, you know, and that final drive was phenomenal. Like, good, good job waking up when we needed you the most, right? And, and that's what we want to see. Um, you know, we as soon as uh, the Niners got the ball and they had the ball and were driving at the end of the third quarter, right? The third quarter comes, and then when they come back from commercial break, I mean, the third quarter ends, the fourth quarter comes. As soon as they come back from the commercial break, they pop the stat up there. Kyle Shanahan is 0-31 or whatever when trailing by five or more in the fourth quarter. They couldn't wait to put that up there. And then all of a sudden, and we were down by seven at that time. 
the media wants to say, oh, well, the Niners didn't really come back from down plus five because they kicked a field goal and they were only down four uh, as soon as the fourth quarter started and all that. They want to start moving the goalposts and all that stuff. Listen, they're going to continue to do that, and that's absolutely fine with me. I feel like the more hate the Niners get going into a game, the better they perform. Uh, when we're heavy favorites is when they're kind of laxed. That's when they kind of start to fall back a little bit. Um, I'm, I'm not. I'm not concerned about any of this stuff because, you know, the the Niners are a good team, and this is what good teams do. Good teams keep it close, and they go out there and get the wins that are tough, right? And then they blow out the the bad opponents. We have to remember that the Packers run a similar style offense to the 49ers. That defense was prepared for what we were going to bring to them. And to go back to Brandon's question about Stephen A., I'm not even mad at Stephen A.'s take. I think it's silly and a little uh boisterous you know i think you 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 know you say a little bit more to get the clicks and the and all that stuff like there's no chance the niners can win without debo we all have seen this offense struggles kyle struggles to adjust in a game that he planned for debo to be there and then he's not there and we've seen when we know debo's not there the offense takes a little while to get started i completely understand why he said what he said but don't sit here and say they, there's zero chance that the Niners can win this game without Debo. Those are two very different statements. If you were to go out there and say this offense is going to struggle against Detroit uh, because Debo's not out there and blah, blah, cool. I, I will sign off on that all day. But don't ever say that there's zero chance that the Niners can win a game without one player on the field. That just doesn't make any sense, you know. So um, I, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not concerned about the, those kind of things at all. The Niners are a really, really good team, uh, and you know the. Here, here's what makes a team good, whether it's on offense or defense. Who's going to step up when you don't expect them to, right? If I told you guys that there was going to be someone in that secondary with two picks in this game, I, if I gave you five guesses, there's only 11 starters. If I gave you five guesses, nobody would say it would be Greenlaw with two picks. Nobody would. He didn't have a single pick all year. And then he gets two in the biggest game of the season, Right. Good teams have other players step up when they need them to. And that's exactly what the Niners are capable of doing from both sides of the ball. So I'm, I'm not worried about it. I, I, like I said, I, I see what Stephen A. was trying to go with, but you got to throw some special sauce on there if you wanted to get the clicks and the retweets and the reposts and all that stuff. Which is what, unfortunately what most of it is. Uh, we have a couple super chats. We got one from Gray Fox 198. The Lions are the 22 Eagles with their soft ass schedules. Niners 45 to 20 Lions. And then Roberto Davis 499 say, Will be great when Brock wins it all and asks Nick Wright how his ass tastes. Thank you guys for the super chats. Appreciate the contributions. I want to play this quick video. It's it's about 40 seconds, but it's Brock Purdy kind of dissecting his own performance. And then we'll get any final thoughts about this Packers game and move on to the Lions preview. Uh, but let me pull this up here. Bear with me here. Shout out to uh, NBC Sports for the video. And here we go. Green Bay film, uh, and you were being and you were critiquing yourself. What didn't you like about the way you played in the first part of the game? Yeah, I feel like there was this, uh, you know, early on, there were some decisions that I made that sort of made me feel a little tentative, you know, after, um, you know, obviously that one that could have been intercepted. Um, and it's like, you know, go through your reads um, and take the check downs when, when the defense presents, presents itself the way it does. Um, and, you know, build off that rather than trying to search for the play and look for the big play. And, and then when it's not there, you know, not having confidence in our check downs and stuff. So that's something that 
um, you know, I have to be better at. That's at, that's what I needed to do uh, at the end of the game. I feel like we got to that point and, and I started doing that better and we were able to move the ball. So um, that's something that I learned for sure. So, by the way, you guys could hear that, right? Okay, all right. So some comments saying that they couldn't hear much. Well, the, the audio was lower than how we're speaking. So I understand what they were saying. But guys, like the audio is the audio. There's not much else we can do about, uh, you know, tapping into a video. What I appreciate the most about Brock Purdy is how honest and insightful he is about his, his you know, analyzing his own performances. We never got that. And again, I'm not throwing shots at, at Jimmy or Dre or anything like that. But it's just such a, like, refreshing, like, yeah, you know, I, I saw this. I thought I could hit it. I struck my arm a little too much. I didn't. I need to next time do this or do that instead. And we saw that a little bit, too, when he sat down with Steve Young. Um, I don't know if you guys had any thoughts on it, but I just thought it was really cool you know, his, his take on his own performance. Um, but it, go ahead, Mike. The most interesting thing in that clip that you just played was him saying that uh, I wasn't confident in the checkdowns, right? I, I want you guys to think about this for a second. And we can ask the panel, but who would be the two checkdown targets for Brock Purdy on a pass play? Kittle and CMC, most likely. What the hell aren't you confident in? <laughs> if though if that if that's your yeah. check down, if that if that's your well, that's your worst case scenario, those are two guys I'm gonna have all the confidence in the world to go out there and not only catch it, I get it. We saw the second and five play on the final drive where it hit Kittle in the chest and he dropped it. We get it. It's not always gonna work out. But for Brock Purdy at this point in the season, two years in now. To say that he wasn't confident in the checkdowns, that's a humbling thing. Like, I, that's something that he had to have reflected on quickly. Like, man, I should have took some more of these checkdowns and ch instead of trying to force throws to this point of the field or that point of the field or to the first or second read guys, right? That's going to go a long way. When he, when Brock Purdy accepts that a checkdown in this system with these players is a good play, it's going to open up everything else. And we saw that happen, like I said, on that last drive. Where did Conley come from? How many catches on the season, without looking it up, does Conley even have? You know what I'm saying? Right, Zach's saying it. He's got three, but he had a, a, a huge clutch play for the 49ers down that right sideline, right? That's what happens when you start to trust the checkdowns, and not that Conley was a checkdown, but it was the fact that the checkdowns in that drive opened things up for Conley down the right side because no one was expecting him to get the ball. That's why... We had guys like Trent Taylor who were phenomenal on third downs. He wasn't a phenomenal wide receiver. He was just a decent wide receiver, but we went to him rarely on those third downs. That's why you had guys like Kendrick Bourne thriving on third downs. That's why Niners fans call it third and Jawan, because those are the guys that of all the talent on this team, you don't expect them to make a play in those moments. Because when you start trusting the checkdowns after your first and second reads aren't there, good things still happen, and it just opens up things for your fourth options on certain plays. Pur Purdy's going to be fine. He's going to get out of it. He's going to shake it off, and he needed to have that last drive in order to sustain um, mental confidence and in, in what the what the plays are out there. We're going to be just fine. Yeah. Which is what's so important uh, and impressive, I guess I should say, is, you know, even, even in that Ravens game, he never really seemed like he – wanted to stop you know slinging the rock like he was still as aggressive he was still hitting it even when he made mistakes and that's what you want to see out of a quarterback 
Um, so I, I really do appreciate it. And I think that it's the type of mentality you want in your, in your quarterback, especially a young quarterback where something like a missed throw or an interception is not going to automatically ruin his, his mindset. Um, but all right. Is there anything else in this Packers game that I didn't get to? I know Jake Moody had a kick blocked. There's anything else. Yeah, I do want to say something about that though. The fact that he had that kick blocked. And then when the 49ers were down a touchdown and they were about to run him out there, the fact that he had to sit through the quarter break and then come out and hit one over 50 in the rain and with some wind, dude, that was nails. I wish those assholes that were in here the last time trying to talk shit when I was defending Jake Moody were in here this time because they wouldn't be saying a goddamn thing. Um, and I want to say that, you know, there, there were four Brock Purdy throws that I thought were big-time throws. Um, the one to Kittle, obviously, on the move. That, that was sweet. That throw was sweet. Moving to his right, that was dropped in a bucket for the touchdown. The third down to Juwan Jennings, like he put that over the linebacker underneath the safety, only where Juwan could get it. That was nails. People would be like, oh, it was too high. It had to be that high. If you look at the still shot, that linebacker's hand was like two inches from touch from tipping that ball. And if he tips that ball, that's a pick, right? Um, the third and I think it was a third and 10 to Chris Conley on the out route was another one. And then the third and five to Brandon Ayuk, where he put that ball right out in front of him, where only Brandon Ayuk could catch it. All top-level throws. Um, so the fact that all of his great throws, except for the George Kittle touchdown uh, pass, came in the fourth quarter just shows you a lot about this kid for sure. Yeah. It is It is impressive. Go ahead, Mike. When it comes to Jake Moody, I'm going to continue to defend this kid. Um, but the question that I had for you guys about him in particular uh, I, I went through this with Tony on on a show, and Tony felt like that the kick was going to be left. He was going to miss anyway because he was looking at the trajectory. My defense of that was almost all of his kicks start one way and they get, end up going to the right. And even the ones that he makes, it's usually closer to the right side of the upright than it is down the middle. Okay? I was saying that all his kicks start that way, but they finish to the right. I wasn't concerned with it. Here's what I here's my question to you guys. If that tip, if that if that kick wasn't tipped and blocked, and he missed it, do you think his confidence would have been shot when they called him out for, out there for the fifty two yarder? First of all, I think that anybody that's trying to say that a kick would have been good or not when it was tipped directly over the like when it was tipped at the line doesn't know what they're talking about because we've seen kickers knuckle balls through all the time. We've seen ones that we see, Oh shit, that's not going to make it. And then it, it ends up going in, right. It ends up getting really, I mean, it's an irregularly shaped object when you account for wind and all that stuff, that ball can go any which way. So I think that that's a little bit of an assumption. Um, people just want to assume, and it just shows that, you know, maybe Tony's a little bit of a moody hater, you know, no disrespect to Tony, but if you was, I would assume that he's going to make it because I like the kid and I want to assume that the kicker is going to do his job. People that don't want to assume that maybe they have something out for him, but I do think that it's a big spot. And normally maybe if he missed, you know, maybe it was a pressure kick. Anyway, he had to sit through the entire TV break from between the third and the fourth quarter on that down and think about that kick down seven. Like, damn, man, we haven't been able to get, we need these points. We got to have these points. And I had one blocked earlier. So we definitely have to get them now. 
So I think the fact that he was able to go out there and he drilled that kick too. So I, I think that that was, you know, a, a big thing for him. And I think it's going to be a big confidence booster for him going forward because now he's done in the playoff. I can make a playoff kick. So in the rain and a crazy environment after having one blocked, um, which is funny. Cause again, I see Packers. I was like, man, honors Carlson sold this game for us. If we make that kick, it's a tie. Well, both teams, regardless of why the, the kick, the ball did not go through the uprights. Both teams missed a field goal. One was blocked. One just straight up missed. So it doesn't really matter. Um, but all right. Is there anything that we didn't cover about the Packers game? Dion, I got one more question. Go ahead. All right. Um, and I think Dion was about to ask this too. Um, what was you guys' thoughts on um, that two-minute or four-minute, you should say, drill before halftime? What was Kyle's thought process during during that drive? I think we could have easily got seven, to be honest, but that's just me. Yeah, no, I, I can go first. I don't know if anybody else. It seemed like he was more concerned with the Packers not getting the ball back than him getting any points. Um, because it was super conservative. And even when they did get inside somewhat, you could argue, field goal range, I mean, a draw play could at least get you another three to four yards, a handoff, a screen. like, And, and it seemed like he was just so against the idea of – and maybe this came down to Party wasn't playing well and he did not trust him at that moment. I don't know. But in my opinion, he kind of messed up that entire situation. He, he put – What's botched it, in my opinion, and it sucks because that's kind of his whole bread and butter. He likes to call it lapping teams, right? He defers the kickoff so that way he could score right before half and then score again on the other side of the third quarter. That didn't happen. So I think he botched it. The third quarter, you know, the plays didn't work out. Um, I know he says that they did took, take want to take a shot. It was well covered, so they didn't have any other chance. But still, I would like to see him do a little more, just to at least try and get out of three, four yards. I don't know. Maybe Moody doesn't feel the pressure to kick that so low since it's 48 yards out. I don't know if anybody else has any, any thoughts on it. Yeah, I, me personally, man, I I didn't like it. And that that's old conservative Kyle rearing his ugly head. And, like, I get it. You don't want the package to score. But they're just th – th this is the reason that I've always stated that Kyle does not have the killer in him. He doesn't. I don't I, I've never seen it in him. I'm talking about that foot foot on the gas. Don't look back and you do what you're supposed to do at that given moment. And you've got to understand, look at the way this game was going. We didn't have like th this wasn't the moment to be conservative and step back and go, oh, well, I don't want the Packers to get the ball again. So I'm just going to take this whole, you know, uh, drive off. Like, I don't understand that. You know, like it, it, you've got to be smarter about it. You've got to have that killer instinct. You have to want to sit there and be able to beat a team into the ground. You don't want to just go back and forth with them on a consistent basis. And that becomes annoying to watch because I'm like, come on, bro. Are you are you really doing this or are we just you just saying, OK, I don't know, because that takes me all the way back to halftime 2019. We were comfortable with our lead. I've said it before. I'll say it again. You cannot get comfortable in the playoffs. And that year, you never get comfortable against Patrick Mahomes. So it just, to me, it scares me because I'm like, bro, I need you to have that killer instinct. 
I need you to want to slit somebody's throat and keep on pushing to go to sleep at night like nothing happened. I need that in you, Kyle. And that 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 drill right there just shows me there's times where he gets conservative and it's like, it's not like we up by like 14. If we were, I could get it. We only up by one. So if you have the opportunity to do what you said in your press conference, lap a team, why pass it by? This didn't make sense to me. Who have something to say, but I didn't know if anyone else wanted to go before me. Um, I don't know if Brandon or, or no. All right. So the biggest show to date, the biggest live show to date on the entire Nothing But Niners channel is the halftime show of the Super Bowl versus the Chiefs. Over 29,000 live viewers. No, I'm not I'm live. I thought that we were going to break something. We were afraid to turn it off because we had so many people in that chat. And when when you guys watch the start of that show, I am extremely pissed at Kyle Shanahan. This was a game, the game. Now, I won't even say a game. This is the game of games in the football season. We had seen Andy Reid go for it not once but twice on first down in the first half. Kyle had all three timeouts on that drive and was super-duper conservative. And until that big play to, I believe it was Kittle, that's when he used his first timeout. What were you thinking prior to that? What, like, where was your confidence in your offense? I understand different personnel from what it is now and all that stuff, right? You didn't have a Christian McCaffrey. You had, uh, you didn't have a Brandon Ayuk out there. Uh, th- th- this was all very different than what it is now. However, it spoke to the mindset of Kyle, and I ripped him a new one during that halftime show. If there's ever a time to not be conservative, it's the freaking playoffs. Not to mention the damn Super Bowl. And Kyle was just so freaking lenient in that game at halftime. We got the ball with a minute and 54 left or something. I don't, I don't remember the exact time, so forgive me. Someone out there is going to say, Mike, you're wrong. I don't care what it was. We had three timeouts. We went into the locker room with two and no points to show for it. And we had a huge gain on that drive that if you just called your timeouts and used it properly, we would have been able to score at least three in a game that came down to – the final minutes what were you thinking kyle is still that guy and that's his biggest fault in my opinion thinking hey don't worry we got the whole second half no you play right now as if it's your last down and then you got the second half you got you have to have that desire you have to have that killer instinct i I don't know what you want to call it but you can't be conservative in the post season you you don't get extra points for taking time out to the locker room with you kyle you don't you don't get extra challenges because you didn't use all your timeouts. You, none of that bodes anything at all in the second half or when the minutes finally run out the run off the clock. You got to go out there and and take it. You can't let a team give you anything. There, th- the purpose of any defense that the team is playing against is to not give you anything. In the postseason, especially, you have to take every single yard that you're going to get. You have to go out there and earn it. They're not just going to lay down for you. So don't sit here and be conservative. And Kyle has to get out of that little funk, especially if you're, if your mindset, which is what Kyle has said, no, none of us are putting this on him. This, these are Kyle's words. I look at it as an extra possession. If we can score on the final drive of the first half and then score again on, on, on the first possession of the third quarter, we lap someone. He looks at it as stealing a possession. 
the same way as a turnover, the same way as an opposing team going for it on fourth and they don't get it or attempting a long field goal and now you got it in favorable uh, field position. He, he views it the same way. Your words say it, your actions don't. And he, he, he didn't do it there. He just didn't do it there. So we got to hope that, like, th- this game made me really feel like Kyle needs an offensive coordinator. I hate, I hate it thinking that. I hate it feeling that way. But this game really made me feel like Kyle needs someone else in his, he, in his ear saying, hey, look at the time of possession. Run this like it's the two-minute drill in the fourth quarter and we're down four. Once he gets someone in his ear telling him to think that way, we won't be as stressed in, in second half of games. Period. Especially in the postseason. Uh, listen, I, I'm I'm not the, the one to sit here and question Kyle Shanahan. This is his fourth now fourth NFC championship game in five years. It's it's all fine and dandy when things are going well and people don't want to say anything. The first ad- adversity, you know, people want to talk about, oh, you know, he's terrible at this, terrible at that. My thing is the only problem that I had was when he decided that they were going to go for a field goal at the end, which is basically what he did. He took the ball out of out of the Packers' hands. And to that point, Brock Purdy had, I think, two near interceptions at that point, and they were not very effective at moving the ball. So I think Kyle was thinking, dude, any points we can get before the half are good points. But where he lost me was that third down it, they, that they just – Purdy essentially threw it out of bounds. I don't understand that. To me, that was the big mistake on that drive. I don't have a problem playing for – Hey, if you get a big chunk play, then maybe we go for a touchdown, right? But if not, we're in field goal range. We're in field goal range, uh, and we we can take some points. He should have run a draw or something on third on that third down to get Moody in better position, maybe a little bit closer. Um, that that's about it. Beyond that, I don't, I don't really want to question a guy who's been doing it at a high level for so long. I, I think it's really easy to get into the weeds and armchair quarterback it. In hindsight, being twenty twenty, going well, this is what he should have done. I mean, none of us are NFL coaches, and I think it's it's kind of a thing where it's like it's very easy for us to sit there and criticize, but the proof is in the pudding with their fourth NFC championship game. I've never coached a team to one. I haven't even coached a Pop Warner team. So that's just me being a passionate fan, wanting them to score points. But we don't know the exact thought process. Has he game planned for this? What his thought process is? It's the same thing when we talk about why does he pass so much? Why didn't he just run the ball? There's got to be something to it that we're not seeing. And the fact that he wins so much and the 49ers score so many points, like I, I really can't just sit here and shit on him every week like a lot of people seem to do. So my my, my rebuttal to that is this, right? And, and this is why I emphasize if you go back and you watch our, our halftime show during the Super Bowl, we had a lead, number one. So let me be very clear what I'm saying, okay? But Kyle's got to think about the message that he sends by not using said timeouts. Let's just say we don't get the ball. Let's just say we do turn the ball over for some God for unforeseen reason. Let's just say we fumble or it's a tip ball and they get the ball back. One, you're telling your defense, I don't have faith in you guys to go out there and hold them. If we do turn the ball over, like it's more than just getting the points. It's the message that you're sending to the rest of the team, bro. There's no need to save those timeouts. I I just don't understand why he operates the way that he does. And so I wasn't, I, in, in the halftime show, I wasn't using hindsight. We had a lead, and I still felt like, yeah, all right, like we might. But still at the same win this time, game. that was four years ago, though, right? Like yeah, the man has grown in four years. Game. But the man, no, but the man has grown in four years. We saw what happened he, when he took his he foot off the. 
He did though. He, he they only had one timeout going into halftime this game. Still save the timeout, bro. When you could have used them and, and you and you could have been more meticulous in your and in your play calling. That, that's kind of my we point. But though. we don't know if he was trying to be aggressive and the way that the, the look that Purdy got post snap was one where he thought he should just throw it away and keep the ball safe. That's true. We don't know that, right? Kyle could have been like, hey, I got one more fucking timeout. It's third down. I'm gonna at least try to get a first down on this. I'm gonna drop a play. Like we know what we know what the play result was, but we don't know what the play intention was. And if Kyle is intending to get a first down towards the sideline, which is what it looked like, so that he could keep the timeout to keep throwing towards the end zone and chip away at it, then I think that that's a good use of, of, of that. They had one timeout. So we know 100% if he's running a draw, which we've seen on like third and long before, that it's 100% a give up, right? Giving up. All right, we're going to play for the next, the next down or whatever. But this... I think that he was trying to do something, but this was post-Devo being out by the And I think they were just having a hard time. What is that? Is anybody else hearing that? I think it's, I think it might be Zach's background. It's like somebody's plane going over somewhere or something. Yeah. There is it like a train going. going by or something? Yeah. Yeah. It's I don't know. I, 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 don't, I don't hear anything, but if you guys heard something from my <laughs> I heard it. <laughs> it must be coming from that. Um, but, to, to, but my to, thing is like he was. We don't know what the intention was. So coming off of like 2019 was 2019. 2019 was Jimmy Garoppolo. That was the year that Jimmy Garoppolo had eight attempts in a playoff game. You know what I mean? This is a far cry from that. And I don't want to completely take that away, knowing that you know he he has had some problems with clock management. My thing was like I don't know what the intention is, and. It is a little bit of hindsight when we look at it, it through the lens of, well, this is what he did four years ago because everybody changes. Everybody does. 2020, they lost a huge lead to the Lions of all teams in the fourth quarter. And he th that's why when we're like, oh, why don't you take all these starters out of the game? And he says afterwards, no, the Lions game taught me something. You know, 28-3 taught him something. The Chiefs Super Bowl taught him something. These 2020s taught him something. You know what I mean? Like it. You're not a finished product. If you don't change, if you're not a different coach than you are in five years, Mike, you look like you don't believe because that. I, I, I feel are like you you're the same person you yourself. were four years ago? I swear to God, I feel like you're contradicting yourself. Everything you're saying, I feel like argues in my favor. All those different examples and samples, right? The the the, the going lenient and pulling starters against the Lions and, and, and the Super Bowl against the Chiefs and all that stuff. The, it, it, to me, what we saw at the end of this first half was reminiscent of all of that. He took his foot off the gas thinking, oh, don't worry, we got more time. We got this. Everything that you're saying tells me Kyle hasn't changed because if he did change, he would be going for the kill right before halftime. And we didn't. How do you know? To me, to me. But how do you he know he didn't? That. that third down play that Brock Purdy immediate, almost immediately threw it out of bounds. How do you not know that? How do you know that that wasn't a draw to try to get a first down? Because okay, but then if you had that opportunity to go for the kill, then why wouldn't he have called? Like, like it's just okay. The only reason that we state the things that we state, like I get what you're saying, Matt. It was a third and ten play. What do you want him to do? They're not running for a no, first down. No, I'm saying I wholeheartedly hear you about you saying that Shanahan does evolve and he has changed over the years. The only thing we can go off of is his past history leading up till now. And I'm sorry, but his past history leading up till now does dictate what me and Mike are stating. The fact that he is that there are times where he is bad at, at clock management. The fact that he is he honestly does try to get a little too comfortable at times. 
to do things with them. That's not how you do it. All we're saying is, at the end of the day, if you've changed and you've progressed, then we would see that. We can only go off of what we've seen over the full time that he's been here. And over the full time that he's been here, I am sorry. There are times where I've seen Kyle Shanahan become, as we like to call him, conservative Kyle and wind up it biting him in the ass. We can't have that. So though we're using things from the past, it's all we have to go on because, no, you're, you're you telling us we don't know what he's thinking. Of course we don't. We're not inside his head. We're not offensive coordinators. We never took a team to Super Bowl. None of us have. But if we're only going to be able to speculate, the history is what we have to go off of. And his history dictates exactly what we're stating. There's not a killer in him. If he if he progressed, show me that killer. Show me that dog. And then 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 you can say something. But until then, I mean, honestly, progression is is minimal. And okay, my last thing to hold piggyback. On, hold on, but that's hold on. That's contingent on on the fact that he hasn't learned anything. We know now he doesn't pull starters late in games. So that's that's progress. That's learning. Correct. Correct. That. Okay. You don't know what the intention was for that third down play. It was third and ten. If he's intending to score a touchdown. And they're we, throwing we do, to the sideline to save that timeout. Yes, that right there, right there. That's my problem, right there. Did you you guys watch the, the the Chiefs game and the Bills game? Right, when they were down to the wire with one timeout left, you know what they were doing? They were taking advantage of the mismatches in the secondary, whether it be sideline in the middle of the field, because they still had a timeout. Why are you trying to throw to the sideline as if you have no? timeouts if the big play is in the middle of the field where the weaknesses of the defense is then you take advantage of that and then you use your timeout they had 14 seconds with one timeout and they were throwing it wherever the defense was giving them kyle's brain was let me throw to the sideline and not use the timeout the not using the timeout is the issue that we have the timeout is a weapon it's 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 a it's a choice that you have to make when you call whatever play you're going to call. The fact that you are playing the sideline tells me that you're not acknowledging or even thinking about the timeout that you got in your pocket still. And that's what we're saying that he needs to get out of. If that this 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 Packers defense was susceptible to attack across the middle of the field, those linebackers couldn't couldn't hold a candle to the players that we had coming across the middle. They couldn't. We saw it on the final drive. We ate them up at minus the Conley play. The, the George Kittle drop pass was right there by the hash. It was in the middle. The other big Kittle play, the the the, the Christian McCaffrey play, the, the the touchdown run, all that stuff came right up the middle in between the hashes. And that's where we thrive as a Niners offense. That's where their defense was weakest. Attack that then and, and don't act like you can't use that timeout. The timeout gets you nothing in the second half. I saw a comment here that said rollover minutes from Verizon, right? The timeouts don't roll over. It's three no matter what you do. You can take three into the locker room. You're going to get three when you come out. You can take zero into the locker room. You're going to get okay. three when you come out. But you're, you're making a, call the Mike, you're making another assumption though. You're you're assuming no. they were throwing you're you're assuming they were throwing it to the sideline rather than Purdy throwing the ball away. You're assuming that it wasn't drawn up for the middle. Matt, Matt you, you know. Said that. No, you're, you're you're assuming. What was the play? What was Matt, the formation? You, no, 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 no. What I'm what saying were the is being you, run? you What Matt, were the routes being run, Mike? Can you you said that it looked like he was trying to throw to the sideline and save the timeout. Those were your no, words, said, not mine. No, what I say was he could have thrown. How do we know he wasn't trying to throw to the sideline? I don't know what he was trying to do, but neither do you. And you're saying you're saying it like you know exactly what he was doing. 
Because for as poor as you thought his clock management was in the first half on that last drive, when he gave, you know, when he gave the ball back with barely a minute left, that was pretty good clock management on the other side. From the second half. Okay. So either he's learned the clock management. After he started running the ball. After he started running the ball. They ran four running plays on that drive and two were quarterback scrambles. Uh, sorry, one was a quarterback. One was a quarterback scramble. One was a sneak. Chris McCaffrey had two runs on that final drive, and one was the touchdown. Purdy threw the ball seven times on that drive, including the George Kittle drop. And How big was passes. the run to Christian McCaffrey on the touchdown? How many yards was that run? Six. What? What are we? I, I feel like we're saying the same thing, but we're seeing it from different. No, we're not. You, you, no, we're not. You, you ever, you ever, you ever see the picture where there's a guy standing here and there's a guy standing there and there's a six or a nine, depending on which, like, which side you're. Like, I feel like that's where we are right now. And how many times did the Forty Nineers finish the game with? One, two. That's... So they scored, but how? But okay, how much time? How much time was left after that third down play that Jake Moody kicked the field goal? Fourteen seconds. At halftime, and the Packers and the Packers got the ball with what a minute three, fourteen seconds. I I literally said if you watch that Chiefs game and that Bills game, they were throwing the across the middle about with fourteen the seconds. Bills. We're not talking about no, them. You you don't have to care about them. You have to care about football and logistics and analytics and the and okay. Uh, so then the okay. Average, so Mike, Matt, analyze the play then. What was the formation? Matt, what were they trying to run? How do you know that it wasn't designed for over the middle and that Purdy saw something he didn't like and threw it away? Matt. The average play from snap to Don't completion the my, in the NFL. I'm not moving the goal. I'm trying to answer your question. The average play in the NFL from snap to completion of just a play is five seconds in the NFL, whether it be a 40-yard gain or a three-yard gain. It's five seconds from snap to completion. 14 seconds is a fucking lifetime when you got timeouts in your pocket. That's what I'm trying to say. And Kyle acts like it's do or die with 14 seconds left. It doesn't make any sense. You haven't answered my question. What's your, what's, what's your exact question? What was the play? How do you know the play wasn't designed for over the middle and Brock Purdy so just threw it away? You're asking me a question that I literally can't answer because I don't know what the play call was. Okay, so then why are you assuming that Kyle was the one who drew it up conservatively rather than Purdy making a decision? What if Kyle drew up something over the middle that if complete is a first down and then Kyle uses the fucking timeout? You don't know that, but you're assuming that. That's my point. You're making a guess. I digress then. I'm not like, uh, listen, I get it, but you're assuming that he's never changed, but you're not, you're not actually addressing like what the play was. I just, I, I, I tell you this, I haven't seen the change going into halftime. How's that? Does that, is that, That's is fair. that a better That's way fair. to say it? That's fair. Because, but to make a definitive did, statement is not fair. But you, you did point out times at the end of games where he has changed. But I think this conversation well, started with. I was the pointing out the difference. Time. You can't say he's bad in clock management in the first half and then ignore the fact that he had good clock management in the second half. Those things don't marry each other either. Either he he is good or it's circumstantial or whatever. But you can't just say but clock one or the management. Other. Clock management is a is a is a wide statement. We were specifically talking about going into the half and taking timeouts with you. That's what the conversation started with. That's why I referred to our biggest show being the halftime show, and I blasted Kyle for acting like timeouts got him extra points. That that was my entire point all along. I don't I don't want to keep on harboring on this because we're not we're not going to come to an agreement here. I will say this: I have seen changes in Kyle Shanahan. Period. I would like to see more changes 
for Kyle Shanahan going into the half. Is that is that a fair statement? That that's fair. If you want to if you want to see him, it's just week in week out. It's the same thing. Everybody thinks that they can do the job better than Kyle Shanahan, you know. And David Brown, you can say I'm a Kyle lover all you want. It's not that. None of y'all are NFL coaches, so I, I never said I've I criticized do a Kyle Shanahan plenty. Right. I, and I never said I could do a better job than Kyle. I'm just saying that I'm baffled by no, the decision making. I know, not you. I mean the 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 colloquial all-encompassing you. The 49er fan base every week likes to be like, well, this is what I would have called. And it's like, you fucking play Madden, dude. It's not the same thing. All right, let's move on. Let's move on. No more Kyle clock. By the way, Matt LaFleur, there's definitely some questions there as to why he didn't call a timeout when the 49ers were fucking marching the ball down the field, killing that damn clock. Even Greg Olson and Kevin Burkhart are like, surely he's going to call a timeout now. Okay, a two-minute warning came and went. Surely he's going to call it here. And Matt LaFleur is just like, that's all right. Well, we'll save him. Well, you went into the offseason with two in the bag. Matt. And as soon as the Niners scored, what'd they say? He's going to regret not calling those timeouts now because yep. his team would have more I time. I think on the they clock. actually said, listen, maybe I'm absolutely wrong and maybe shitty clock management runs in the Kyle Shanahan tree. Maybe it's in the fruit itself. I don't know. But what I will say is even on the broadcast, they were like, typically you would use your timeouts on the defensive end and then try to go down the field and save yourself some time. Because of the things that you know were mentioned before, right? You can throw to the sideline. You can stop the clock on offense. Find ways to stop the clock, whereas you can't do that on defense. Once your timeouts are out, then you're at complete mercy of the other team. So, yeah, that was uh not great. It was baffling. And, and yeah, you said it perfectly, Matt. You you can control the clock on offense with other things than timeouts. When you're on defense, that's literally all you could do. Um, so. Unfortunately, well, for them, fortunately for the 49ers. But all right, enough about the Packers. They are in the past. Wait, one last thing. Did anybody get shades of Brett Favre when Jordan Love threw that pass across his body over the middle of the field? What? I was like, yes. Boy. 100%. <laughs> and then I was like, get the away. fuck down, Dre. Get the fuck down. <laughs> He's like, I wanted that pick six. <laughs> right. He, he drove me crazy with the running around with the ball and all that stuff. And the the, the cameras kind of just knew he was going to go down as soon as he got the interception. So they kind of like started panning around the field and they realized he was still running. So they tried to find him and focus back in on him and everything. Right. But, you know, the, the one thing I will say, and we don't have to talk about this. Jordan Love is the most overrated quarterback in the NFL right now today, today. And I'm not saying he's not good. I'm not saying he's not going to be good. But if you type in, Jordan Love highlights his base is never set. He's throwing off his back foot. He's throwing across his body, some sidearm bullshit. None of that is sustainable. I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, and all that stuff. There's a reason why they say Patrick Mahomes throws the most interceptable passes in the NFL every single year. You get lucky, and it's cool. It works out in your favor, but Jordan Love is not that. And it's all going to come crumbling down next season when they get the film because he was a first-year starter. He, they're, they're going to be on to him come next season. I, I promise you that. Yep. And what's hilarious is just a few weeks ago, Packers fans would be the first to tell you, he ain't it. We got to move off. We made a mistake. And I'll give him all the credit in the world. Said in the previous show, he was able to, to flip it around the, the last quarter of the season and going into the playoffs. 
And it seems like that little stretch was enough to cement him as an elite young quarterback, but a season and a half, including three playoff games, isn't enough for people to say, I don't know. I don't know. That's just me. Brock pretty apparently. Uh, Go ahead, Mike. Real quick. Yes or no from everybody on the panel. There was a question here from 49ers throwback. Do you think Brock Purdy outplayed Jordan Love in this game? Quick yes or no from everybody. No. I'll say yes. Uh, I'll say yes. And I think a lot of it had to do with, I don't know, maybe I'm I'm being too, like, contextual here, but Jordan Love's pocket was pretty good most of the night. I know the Niners got a lot of pressures, but for the most part, his O-line held up fine. Purdy's did not. Uh, And it seemed like, the big plays that Jordan Love had, like I said earlier, were defenders slipping down. Sorry, I know it was supposed to be yes or no, but I'll say no. I'll say yes. Sorry, Matt. I'll say yes because not throwing picks in the first quarter is better than throwing picks in the fourth quarter. So uh, it's it's not necessarily how you start the game; it's how you finish it. And only one of these players uh, had a fourth quarter comeback in this game. Which are heavily weighted. I mean, if you get a, if you lead your team to a comeback win in the playoffs, in the rain, that should count for like five regular season wins or something. I don't know. But all right. Uh, let's do a quicker preview. Wait, wait, wait. Let Brandon answer. Brandon's been quiet oh, down there really quick. Brandon, Sorry. Know, he's too quiet. Oh, um, I said uh, yes. But after hearing your guys' thoughts and basically pretty finishing. The game you, on a winning drive. Bitch. I'm going with fucking no. <laughs> no is the right answer. The The right answer is no. And everyone's going to say, oh, well, Purdy had no interceptions. He had two. I saw Purdy throw three interceptable passes. It's not. Don't be results-based. Look at what the quarterback did. Purdy threw two, what should have been pick sixes. Two in this game. Yeah. The day, DBs know. just couldn't what, catch wait, wait, wait. DBs for a reason. Hey Mike, uh, what? Okay, look, look at the the results on the field. Don't look at the results on the field. I just want to say this: Brock Purdy did almost throw three picks, but when the chips were down, compare Brock Purdy's last drive to Jordan Love's last drive. Yeah. Final drives compared: Brock Purdy A plus, Jordan Love F minus. Like, yeah, I'm with you on that. Yeah. I I was saying this to to Ash on the way home. I'm like, people love to say, "Oh, that could have been a pick six. Oh, if he. Name me one Super Bowl winner that didn't have a good amount of luck on their side. You don't only need to be good. You need to be healthy. You need to be lucky. And people forget this all the time. There's a ton of scenarios you can think of, but the first one that comes to mind is Eli Manning in the the Super Bowl versus Patriots where he, the famous play, rolling out, escaping pressure, hits David Tyree in the helmet. You know what the play before that was? It was an interception that he threw right to, uh, I'm forgetting the the Patriots corner's name. Is it Sante Samuel maybe? Uh no no who who was it uh, his son's in the NFL now it, it's Asante Samuel yeah it is Asante Samuel okay yeah yeah Asante Samuel it goes right through his hands he throws a pick straight to him but nobody remembers that so I said it earlier Brock Purdy's the only inter- quarterback I know where almost interceptions get counted for him there's a stat for Brock Purdy on almost interceptions not for any other quarterback so I refuse to acknowledge that shit I get it if you want to go the PFF score sure but in my opinion, almost should have been, could have been, would have been. I don't give a shit. It didn't happen. So, all right. Let's talk Lions. Let's talk Lions. Uh, we won't be able to talk about them for too long, but let's get into this. 49ers 
Lions. They host the championship game um, for the first time since 2019. Last year, they had to go on the road to Philly. Clearly, that didn't work out. Year before that, I think it was the year before that, they had to go to L.A. That didn't work out. Uh, It's going to be a game. The 49ers are favored by seven in this game. They were favored by nine and a half versus Green Bay. Uh, Mike, I'll I'll throw it to you to start off. How are you feeling about this game? You think the Niners cover? How do you feel about the line? What do you think? Niners by 17. Oh. That's how I feel about this game. There is absolutely nothing about this Detroit Lions defense that scares me. In fact, the one of the things that make the Detroit Lions defense uh let, let me let me try to be positive here for them. One thing that makes the, the Detroit Lions defense special or good or unpredictable is the fact that they they basically have a different scheme and game plan every single game. They they kind of try to cater a defensive plan based off of their upcoming opponent versus this is what we do well, right? So if you if you think back to the uh, Legion of Boom days, right, when the Niners and the and the Seahawks were, and I, I they call it a rivalry to me. The Seahawks dominated that during that time, but they call it a rivalry. Um, Seattle's mindset was this is the defense we run. And we are not changing regardless of who you put on the field, your personnel, your formations. We dare you to beat us with the defense that we're going to run, right? The Lions seem to be the exact opposite. This is what you do well. We are going to practice all week long against what you do well and see if we can restrain you guys a little bit. I think that's a huge weakness. I think that if you don't allow players to get comfortable in their roles, you are what's what's the uh there's there's like a, a saying like uh jack of all trades but master of none type of thing, right? You don't know who you can count on in what situation because you're changing things up so much. And I think that's gonna come back and bite the Lions big time in the ass in this game against the 49ers. Because one thing the Niners also do is they don't just attack your weaknesses, they go out there and assess from drive to drive what you do well and don't do well, and then they make adjustments in the game. So if you're going to try to game plan based off of what you've seen on film for the last three or four games, it's going to be all for naught because the Niners aren't going to come out there and do that anyway. They're not going to come out there and do that anyway. They're going to go out there and, and, and base their game plan. You're going to get the scripted plays for the first the first two drives, and you're going to get the scripted plays coming out of halftime. That's the only thing you can count on the Niners to do that has nothing to do with their opponent. After that, it is going to be reactionary play calling that Kyle says, I see this as an exposure. We're going to try to take advantage of that. There's no way that the Lions can game plan for that kind of offensive game plan and be successful against it. The Lions are terrible against the pass, and believe it or not, they're actually bad against the run, but they're so bad against the pass that the the yards are just night and day, right? We're talking 260-plus yards per game given up, and 70-something yards rushing given up, right? But the only reason it's that many rushing yards or that few rushing yards is because they're so bad against the pass, teams say, we don't even need to run it on them. Let's just go ahead and use an extension of the of the run game in the passing game, and they can't stop that. And that's why their yards are the way that they are. I The, the Lions have not seen a run offense the way that the Niners can run the ball. They haven't seen it. So don't be surprised that that 78 yards per game they've been given up in rushing ends up being 152 yards rushing in this upcoming game. Don't be surprised if Brock Purdy throws for 450 yards for the first time in his career. I'm not saying he's going to do it. 
I saw you, Matt. I'm not saying that's what he's going to do, but don't be surprised if that happens because the Niners can take advantage of both of those scenarios based off of how you're playing them. And I think that's what Kyle and this team are going to do against the Lions. And as far as the flip side of it, our defense against their offense, we know Jared Goff isn't going to be much of a scrambler, right? The Niners have played this thing this year where they've kind of confused and, and, and fucked up the algorithm, right? For the last five years for the 49ers defense, while we've been a top five defense under Robert Sala and D'Amico Ryans, we've always struggled against rushing and mobile athletic quarterbacks. Why hasn't that been an issue this year, right? I think the, the most rushing yards a quarterback has uh, had against us was like 56 or something like that, right? It might have been Kyler Murray. It wasn't Lamar Jackson, even though that's what people were expecting. But the reason why that number is so far down from what it used to be is because the 49ers say, hey, we're not worried about going out there and trying to stop him. We're going to rush four, and we're going to let that secondary do the real damage. That secondary goes out there, and they lock down guys, especially when they man up. They go man-to-man. They clinch to these guys, and it's like a glue board for a, a mousetrap glue board. They get on these guys, and they're on them. And your only hope is that you get flags to stop this 49ers secondary. That's how good Steve Wilkes has made this 49ers secondary. That's including Ambry Thomas that a lot of people don't want to see anymore. That includes a guy like D'Amador Lenore, who has been in and out of the starting lineup throughout his, his career here with the 49ers. That includes a Charvarius Ward who was, I don't even think, drafted by the Chiefs, right? These guys all of a sudden look like all pros and Pro Bowl players because uh, Steve Wilkes has come out and put his stamp. This is what he does well. I want you to go out here. This is your assignment. I want you to take advantage of it. I'll give you, I'll give you this. You're going to get some penalties on that secondary, whether it be illegal contact, a couple of pass interference calls, but you cannot sustain that and bank on that all game long. If there was ever a game that you see that, it was this past game against the Packers. We gave up not one, but two huge pass interference calls on the same player, both of which led to scoring drives for that team. And it still wasn't enough. If you're banking on that, you were in for a long day. The Lions have no answer for the 49ers in this game. Niners are going to take this one by at least 17. Hey, uh, Super Chat from Gray Fox 198. Are you guys worried about Kirby Joseph going low on Kittle or our wide receivers? Um, it seemed like it's happened to two of their opponents already. I think TJ Hawkinson and then uh, I forget who else it happened to a couple weeks ago, but it's a pattern. I don't know if it's something I, I don't, I'm not saying they're obviously out here trying to hurt players, but it's a consequence of penalizing these defenders for going high. So now they're going low, the knee gets planted and unfortunately they're getting injured. Um, we'll see. Hopefully not. Hopefully it's not a thing that we're have to worry about, but yeah, I mean, I see people talking about it, but I feel like they're not talking about it enough. Like this is, this is the 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 Lions' first outdoor game on grass since November, like, and they've they've only played. Oh, sorry, they've only played one since November, and that was in on December tenth. So, how long has it been? How many weeks has that been since December tenth? Uh, it's insane. And Jared Goff only threw for one hundred sixty one yards. Their difference between indoors and outdoors. Jared Goff's pass rating goes from five indoors to 21 outdoors. Um, not only that, sorry, that was his EPA. His pass rating goes from 108 to 82. So, like, the the the, the differences are drastic. He's a different player when he goes outside. 
And I really do think the 49ers are going to be able to take advantage of that. And I see Nigel Crane here has it too. He's 0-5 versus the 49ers in 2019. I believe he started off 3-0 and then dropped five straight. How much does that matter? Not much. I don't know. But I think the indoor-outdoor thing matters a lot more. And he's much more of a statue than Jordan Love. Um, I think the 49ers will be able to get some pressure interior on the interior and force him into some errant throws. Matt, how do you how do you feel about this game? I'm kind of along the lines with Mike. Um, I think that the 49ers are gonna win this one handily. Listen, just like I said, the Packers wouldn't perform against the 49ers the same way they did against the Cowboys. I don't think the 49ers are gonna come out and look as bad as they did against the Green Bay Packers. Um, weather was a factor, you know, weird play calling, um, maybe three weeks of rust, a little bit too much time off, whatever. They had to go through the gauntlet. They almost lost that game. There was huge pressure for them to win that game in the end. They were able to do it. And that type of gritty win can build character. And they that lets them know, hey, doesn't matter how bad the game is going. We're never out of it. And when you have that kind of confidence on your side that you can come back like that, man, that frees you up. And I think this 49er team is going to play sharp. They're going to play loose. And I think that they're going to take it to the Lions all game long. I, I think there's going to be a two or three touchdown game for sure. Damn. All right. It sounds like almost this is one of those years where the divisional was the championship game, you know. And I saw a bunch of people, uh, Kurt Benkert, guys like that, saying whoever wins the Niners packers game, I feel like they're going to go on to win it all. We're a little ahead of ourselves if we go to there. But I agree with you guys. Uh, Dion, I'll throw it to you, and then, and then we'll end with Brandon. How are you feeling about this Lions game? I have no fear, and I think we can definitely win with you know without Debo or with Debo. Um, I just I, I'm looking at the Lions and I'm looking at what they have and that, look I respect I'm on Ross St. Brown I respect Aiden Hutchinson, um, but I'm sorry it's not enough. That's two guys, and I watched I'm on Ross St. Brown that last game. The man caught eight passes out of fourteen targets. He's dropping the ball left and right, man. I'm sorry. I just like, look, for the people, for the city of Detroit, hey, congratulations. It's nice that your team has gotten this far in so long. I think they have one playoff win in their whole history. Um, now they've got three. Um, I think this is the first time they've been in the Super Bowl in almost 23, 24 years. Uh, so it's nice that you got this far. But the buck stops here. We're going to beat the brakes off of you. And it's not going to be pretty. I expect Kyle Shanahan to get back to running the ball, to get back to doing what he knows will work. Will work. And I expect us to see a whole lot of CMC, a whole lot of Jordan Mason, and a whole lot of Elijah Mitchell. Um, outside of St. Brown, they've got Laporta, the tight end. He's nice. He's a formidable target. But I also have a guy named All Pro Fred who will take care of that. You know, with St. Brown – I'm not going to be stressed or worried too much about him. Yes, they have a nice little run game, and I don't believe our run, de run defense will be as bad as it was this past game. Um, so, honestly, man, I just – the Lions will score. That much is true. But I got to agree with Mike. 17 or more, man, it's, they, they, they just don't have a chance. Okay. Damn. All right. Brandon, how you feeling about this game? Uh, I feel good about it. Uh, I think we'll – go in and uh, look a hundred times better than what we did last Saturday, especially because it's sunny and 70 degrees come Sunday afternoon. Um, so 
Yeah, like the chat said, own five, Jared Goff, and that Lions defense has given up over 450 passing yards. So watch out for that as well. Each we week. Be- each week. Each week. Exactly. Yes. Going back, including Nick Mullins twice. Yes. Yes. Nick Mullins out of all people. Crazy. So uh, I think we're going to have a fill day against the Lions. Um, they, they've had a great Cinderella story, but I think it just ends here at the NFC Championship. Damn. All right. Uh, we got a super chat from Gray Fox. Let me tell you why we're winning the Super Bowl. The last time a family member, my dad, went to the NFC Championship game was in 1994. I'm going to be there this Sunday. I'm the catalyst. Vegas bound, baby. Everybody <laughs> place those bets. Let's Thank go. There you go, man. Hey, yeah. that's fantastic. Be the catalyst. Be yep. that one fan that makes it happen for all of us. I love it. Exactly, man. I, I love it. I think the 49ers, and I see some people in the chat saying it too, you know, like they got whatever rust they had out, if you want to call it that. And I think last week, it's almost like, how do, how, I don't know, you, when you get scared straight, you remember that show? Scared straight where they like take those like fuck-ups to like a, a prison and they get chewed up. That was last <laughs> week for the Niners. The, the, like the Packers were like the prisoners chewing out the Niners and their little 16-year-old asses. That scared them straight. Now they're going to be good. Now they're going to be great. And I think that uh, they understand how close they came to, to ruining all this, letting all this slip right out of their hands. They understand what's at task. Listening to Ayuk, listening to Purdy, listening to Fred talk today, and it just you could tell how much they understand what the moment is. And, and how how big the moment is, and, and they need to win this game to get there. So, I just think you know, like like all of you guys said, Lions are a great story, great feeling. Mm. Uh, but you're young, you know. Most of your stars are rookies. Like you got this is not the end of it if the Lions don't win this game. I think that their time will come, uh, maybe. But I think that Don Burr, uh, we usually see him uh, hanging out in Jason. Uh, if you ever watch uh, Jason Aponte, the Sprint Right Answer podcast, he's always there. This dude is a true Detroit fan. Um, so, uh, yeah, man, I, I, it's nice that you came and hung out, but your score prediction is horrible. Sorry, I got to let you know that. It's not, not going to work, sir. That, that's, that's completely false. I know you would like that to be the score, but uh, remember, you're coming to Santa Clara, okay? And uh, there ain't no Eminem here. There ain't no Big Sean. We got E40. We got Too Short. We got Sweetie. We got P-Lo. We have uh, a whole (laughs) bunch of Samoans, okay? We've got Rikishi. We've got the Usos. Um, The Rock wanted to be quiet about it on national television, but he's a closet 49er fan as well. So, uh, yeah, we we, coming coming to Santa Clara, bro. It's not going to work out for you. You won't be singing "Lose Yourself" in the stands this week, big dog. It's not <laughs> happening, bro. Oh, also, don't forget, happening. don't forget, two chains is a Niner fan too. <laughs> oh, look at that! Hey, look, I'm just telling you, man. You- we just we have the stars aligned for us, and we ain't talking about just that. Um, shout out to Wayne Breezy and uh, you know, and Travis for their song. Like we. We deep out here, man. From content creators to actual rappers to real celebrities, man. Coming into this building is not going to be an easy task. Um, I would be surprised if y'all could even hear your offensive play calls. I doubt this is the year that Kyle Shanahan – as much as I ride Kyle Shanahan, I only say the things I say because I just want him to be the greatest, and I want him to go down as somebody that people respect. I don't ever want the stain of 
He never won the big one to be on his record. You know how many players walk around with that? Do you know how hard it is to be Jim Kelly? You know how hard it is to be that man? That man lost four straight Super Bowls and beat the shit out of cancer. But it's still hard to be a beat Jim Kelly, man. Because you know what people look at you and do? They say, man, you were great, but you just never won the big one. I don't want that from my head coach, contrary to what people may believe. I want Kyle to win this Super Bowl, and then I want him to win another one. And if it takes him a couple more years to get back to the next one, then fine. But I don't want you to be Andy Reid in Philly. I don't. You got this, Kyle. Matt knows you You got it. Matt is, Matt, Matt, is, Matt is one of your biggest fans. So prove Matt right. Prove my guy right, man. Do his daughter a favor. Let his baby be right there with him when he sees that Super Bowl win, man. Come on. All right, guys. Uh, we're going to have to end it here. I know we're not going to get to our uh, – we got a couple Super Chats, and then we're going to wrap it up here. Uh, let's see. Gray Fox. Oh, no. Sorry. Here we go. Niner, Niner Rick, 49. Niners are doing one of two things on Sunday. Chew gum and kick ass. And we're all out of gum. And Roberto Davis, Don Burr Lions had a great year, but the buck stops here. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you, everyone, for your contributions. Mike, go ahead. The Lions even lost their mantra in this game. It was Detroit versus everybody, right? And that started from rap. That was a hip-hop thing, Detroit versus everybody, where you had Eminem and you had uh, uh, Sean, Big Sean. You you guys had uh, – there was another one. What's his name? Five, Eminem, nine. Big Sean. Royce, Royce, yeah. That right, it was like this whole Detroit versus everybody. Y'all don't even have that anymore. In fact, a story came out today talking about Jake Moody's family saying, Yeah, I understand that you're on the Niners, but we're Lions fans. We've been Lions fans. We're from Michigan. Like that, that's that's what it is, right? Y'all don't even have Detroit versus everybody. It's Niners versus everybody. We even stole your mantra, bro, for this week, just to let you know, just a precursor to what's to come right now. We play better when our backs are against the wall. When everybody counted us out against that Philadelphia Eagles team, we went out there and dropped over 40 against those guys. Just imagine what's to come against this Lions team. It's going to be ugly for y'all. It's going to be pretty for us. That's right, man. I'm ready for it. And all you guys are ready for it. We'll be back live after the game. Um, are we Are we thinking of Sunday night? Are we thinking of Monday night? How, how, we, how we looking here? I know we're live on air, but I'm down for Sunday. I'm with you. Everything tell me to come on. All right. All right. We will put it out. Follow us at 49ers (laughs) Hive on X. Follow the podcast. All of our individual handles are on the screen as well. Make sure you follow everyone. Um, Niners in the championship game. What's up? That stadium's going to be loud as F on Sunday. Just wait for it. Yep. I saw was it Tim Tim Kalkami saying when the 49ers scored to go ahead versus the Packers, that's the loudest he's ever heard Levi's, and he thought there's no way he can get louder. And then Dre Greenlaw intercepted that ball. He's like, No, that's the loudest I've ever heard this stadium. It's gonna be louder than that. So the Lions think they had a home field advantage in Detroit. Well, get ready for that against you here in Santa Clara. Uh, we got one last super chat from our guy Sean. This is prophetic. Won that first Super Bowl in Detroit. See you at the game. Let's go. That's right, man. All right. Like I said, all our handles are on the screen. Make sure you follow all of us. Hit like, hit subscribe. 
share the post on social media. Drop your final score predictions in the comments. Yada, yada, yada. Matt, please carry us out of here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, just one last thing. I'd be remiss if I didn't say Nick Bosa, three sacks and a forced fumble. We'll just leave it there. Thank you, everybody, Mike for joining Trump. us. Thank you for the panel. This was a great show. Um, we ran a little long talking our shit. Mike, love you as always. Brandon, Dion, thanks for joining. Zachy, the man as always. We love having everybody here. Thank you for joining us late at night. Uh, NFC Championship this weekend. Let's go get it, Niners. That being said, until next time, go Niners. Dude.